Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this series, I'm interviewing board member candidates, and with me in this segment is uh, Brianna London. Brianna, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for putting this together so fast, and thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm happy to let you guys have a few uh, minutes to kind of, you know, basically talk about what you want to do, answer some questions. Um, and with that, actually, I'm going to go ahead and say that there were a lot of questions that were submitted between um, the survey and crowdsource questions. Uh, and what I'm doing is I'm letting the candidates kind of pick the ones that they want to focus on. Otherwise, this is going to turn into a two, three hour long conversation. And uh, just given the amount of candidates out there, the town halls, everything that's taking place, uh, just kind of want to keep it kind of focused and let you guys choose. So um, before we begin, why don't we just go ahead and start with um, your elevator pitch, because that, that does cover some of your highest, highest priorities. So we'll start with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So in my like two paragraph, um, like pitch that's on the ballot, I kind of touched a little bit on the tournaments and growing the, the sport and growing the members. But so I wanted to start with some of the things I didn't include on my elevator pitch that are also extremely important to me. Um, the first one being like the feedback system. I did have like a sentence on this, but I wanted to expand that. I think one thing that's really important that we don't have in place right now is a system for member feedback. Um, I think that the last time we did a survey for USA Dodgeball was like right when they first were taking over for Elite and a lot of people's opinions and feelings have changed since then. And I think setting up a system for consistent feedback um, is important. So starting with like, I think one of the things to tackle right when we have our first board meeting is to get a survey together to send to our members about what their interest is in ball types. Another thing is the tournaments. That was something that was on a lot of people's ballots, like talking about wanting to reformat and re like invigorate the tournament structure. So getting something like that sent out right away. And from there, after all of our major tournaments, always having a survey to who, whoever attended and hearing their feedback on what did they think of the structure? What did they think of even just things like the gym and um, how was the live stream if that was there? How was the commentary? Like getting feedback on that so we can keep continuing to improve. Um, in addition to the surveys, I think it's also important just to have a place for people to send feedback throughout the year and having a email account that's just like feedback at usadodgeball.com is going to be important um, and somebody on the board would be in charge of that. That'd be something I'd happy, be happy to be um, in charge of and so that people can email feedback and um, throughout the year. And then during our board meetings, we can, you know, talk through some of the ideas. And then in order to like communicate with our community of what maybe we took from that feedback and what we're implementing, consider starting a quarterly newsletter that goes out. And here's some of the feedback we talked about the, at this quarter's board meeting. Um, and then maybe post some stuff about local leagues or whatever just to continuing to be out there and communicating with our um, members. And from there, the other thing that was 
I didn't include in my elevator pitch that I wanted to touch on here is dis a disciplinary structure. That's something we have a code of conduct, but we don't have consistent, like when we need to implement disciplinary action, we don't have a structure for it that I'm aware of. Um, it seems like it's like person to person, it's different. Sometimes nothing is done. And I think it needs to be addressed, especially with the current thing that everyone's talking about, the, the cheating dodgeball TikTok thing, which I don't want to get into, but um, it's some cheating is something that is a huge problem in dodgeball. And I think a big reason why it continues to happen is because there's not really much consequence for it. It doesn't, it's not consistent. And I think it, it's something the board really needs to implement is a, a disciplinary structure that's followed um, and not just for cheating for like inappropriate comments or um, violence or like that sort of things that break the code of conduct. Um, but, you know, first time offenders, this is what we agreed on, like a one month ban or whatever it may be, um, a repeat offender. Now it's a three month ban and, and like something like that, like a structure for it. And from there, it's also important that we then communicate with said person. So it's very clear what's, what's happening, why it's happening. Um, because I feel like sometimes there's. It, there's not, it's not communicated well, or it's not communicated at all. And it's just in people's minds and nothing is ever done of it. And I think a strict disciplinary action, and it needs to be the same, no matter how good the person is, where they are in the dodgeball community. Like it needs to, there needs to be personal feelings aside. It needs to be the same for everybody. But at the same time, there needs to be opportunities for redemption. I think that um, you get a reputation as a cheater and it's really hard to dig yourself out of that hole. Now, yes, you put yourself in that hole, but we also need to allow for those opportunities of redemption. And I think by having the disciplinary action, like say they're banned from USA tournaments for three months because we got sent five videos of them blatantly cheating, they have an opportunity to reflect on that. And when they come back to play in a USA dodgeball tournament, they have that opportunity of showing us that they're not that person anymore and that they've changed because that is another issue is that because nothing's really done about it um there's just a lot of toxicity um towards from players towards other players that they feel are cheaters so that is one thing i wanted to touch on that i didn't touch on in my elevator pitch um and then as far as like just to quickly touch on like tournaments um i did kind of put a little bit of information on what I'm hoping to implement. Obviously, it's just an idea I have. I'm definitely wanting to hear what some of the other um, members on the ballot have in mind for the tournaments, because a couple people mentioned uh, uh, updating the tournament structure. Personally, I really think that um, we should look at what Canada is doing. They have a great setup and they have constant um, like sellouts of tournaments. Um, and they basically do one provisional round or like for each province, which is the equivalent to our regional rounds. They do their nationals and then they work with their member organizations to host one-off tournaments. So like, for example, in February, um, Dodgeball Calgary is gonna be hosting uh, Westerns. 
And so I think we can kind of look at what they're doing and maybe reduce the amount of regional rounds because um, it's just the same teams playing each other in the same divisions and it can get old and it also kind of hurts the development of players. You know, if you have those like three stack teams that are just beating on everyone else, it kind of discourages people from wanting to continue to come back. And we're still a young sport and we need to work on developing talent. And I think one way to do that is maybe limit it to one regional round per per season. And maybe uh, you do a second one where it's like a Southwest and Northeast event or Northwest, Southeast sort of thing and do nationals. And then from there have these other one-off tournaments that will offer a variety of ball types depending on what the tournament is. And an important one being draft style tournaments to help break up those teams and develop the talent that we already have, um, where you would have veteran captains and first come first serve. And then from there, like now you're breaking up the teams. Um, you, we used to do that in the West because Tyler Greer used to run it before COVID. And I think since we're removing a lot of the regional tournaments now, our one-off tournaments need to make, we need to make sure they're spread out throughout the U.S. So everyone has opportunities to easily travel to some of these. Um, but draft is definitely an important one, I think. Um, another one, like the classics, was a great um, structure that used to sell out every single time, but it used to only be in the West. So now starting to offer that in other places as well. Um, that had foam, no sting, and 8.5 and you would be required to play all three divisions and there would be like individual winners and in that for divisions but then an overall winner and that one was a lot of fun and in that case you would bring your own team so in, in addition to the regional rounds you can bring whatever team you want to travel with there and we just make sure wherever it's offered it's it, every year it's like in different areas so it's easily accessible um and then in addition to that, we can, you know, reach out to already established tournaments like FTC is one that's coming up in the next two months and work with Tom and Cody and maybe making that a part of the USA Premier Tour. And now taking something that's already successful, supporting them, and now maybe get drawing more, even more eyes to it and have more people go there. Um, but I think starting to have um, other sort of structures in the tournaments um draft uh, things like that are going to reinvigorate the the tournaments and get people more excited about them and by reducing the amount of tournaments usa is running because i think that's only like eight or nine versus the four regional rounds that were originally pitched plus nationals that's 17 reducing it down in almost half and that's a lot less for the board to worry about planning you can have better quality tournaments because there's a lot less on your plate. You can put a lot more planning into each individual event. And we're also, I'm also pitching like spreading them out throughout the year a little bit more because right now we're running them March through October. And that's such a short amount of time to plan that many tournaments. It's extremely difficult. I'm sure it's extremely stress stressful and difficult right now. And if we reduce the amount and spread them out, I think it'll really alleviate some of that pressure. It'll allow more time for planning and by having them more spread out, 
that gives us more time to book gyms and give players plenty of notice for here's what's coming up in the next, you know, three months. So they can plan ahead. Um, in addition to the tournaments, I kind of mentioned in my pitch about live streaming. I think if we ever want to consistently get sponsors and consistently get more eyes on the sport, we need to start live streaming every major event that USA hosts. Um, I think like the thing did a great job that Dodgeball Seattle hosted in April. They got a ton of eyes on it. Um, and I think we can also look to what Dodgeball Canada is doing, what British Dodgeball is doing, what Dodgeball Australia is doing, and start to talk with them and talk with their representatives and look at what's working for them and what's not, and maybe what we need to look for when we're booking gyms. But we really need to start having live stream at every major event. Um, and also commentary, which will that will both be difficult. Like it might be that we have to start with one camera and one court and volunteer commentary and hopefully from there grow. Um, a, a great idea is um, in 2017 at Nationals, Mark did um, kind of volunteer commentary where people in between their games would jump on and commentate a game and then go play their next game. Like maybe we can't get to volunteers to do the whole tournament, but we can have players who are interested in trying it out, jump on in between their games. Um, but if we ever want people to garner interest in the sport, they need to tune into the live stream and be able to follow what's happening. And if it's just the game playing, it's going to be really hard for someone who's maybe discovered it because it came on like the Twitch um, recommended channels, like they've never played and they're watching a video of people playing and they have no idea what's going on. We definitely need commentators. Um, and then to kind of go along with that. So it's easy for people to follow along. We need to really consider standardizing the rules um, right now. NCDA plays different rules than USA Dodgeball who plays different rules than a lot of the local leagues around the US who play different rules than the WDBF, which is, trying to be the world standard. So I think it's a conversation that needs to have be had um, in that we need to standardize the rules. Um, so in the US, we have the unique um, nose thing in 8.5 ball that isn't really found other places. So to do that, I think we need to take the WDBF rules and have no sting follow the foam ones and 8.5 follow the cloth ones since those two balls are similar to each other and work with the NCDA to kind of start to shift it to be more similar so that now we're standardizing the rules, that's simplifying things for refs, that's simplifying things for when we have live streams and people are tuning in, not just from the US, but from other countries, they, can, they already know the rules because we're playing the WDBF rules that with the intention of all the other countries will start to adapt those. I know that a lot of countries playing foam already do. I know with cloth it's newer and we're, we're trying to get the EDF rules and the WDBF rules the same and have that be the same in Europe. So as soon as we standardize the rules, it'll be a lot simpler moving forward. Um, especially cause there's a lot of times there's a lot of rules confusion and it's really hard for refs. People don't want to ref because they get everything confused. Um, but yeah, I think standardizing the rules is the way to go. And from there, um, I think that's gonna 
help us get sponsors as well because everyone's doing it the same. It looks more cohesive. You know, if you look at other sports, they don't have five different rule sets all around. Like they're all playing the same rules. It's, it's really hard to take this to the next level if we don't have a um, standardized set of rules. Um, and from there, I just want to touch on growing the sport because that's another thing that a lot of people put in their um, elevator pitches because it is crucial to the sport right now. We're still a very young sport. Um, and uh, for me personally, I really want to hone in on the women's side of dodgeball to start. I think that um, the men's side, I see a lot of young guys continuing to join and jump in, which is amazing. And I think with it's not happening as much with women's. And we've actually seen a decline in on, um, the amount of women's players. And while the West has a lot of teams, uh, um, the North, South, and East all don't have as many teams and haven't had as many teams for the last few years. And I think we really need to um, start to implement outreach and growing the women's side. And in turn, that'll help the men out because by growing the women's side, we can then have more co-ed teams as well. Um, so in terms of how, how are we gonna do this? Well, I think the NCDA has already done a great job by addressing this issue, by adding a women's only no sling division. I think that was such a great move by them. Um, 8.5 pinch is not as appealing to women um, and I think you're gonna, they're gonna get a lot more women playing in college with that no sting ball. Um, so that's a great start because then we can potentially get those women funneling in to USA Dodgeball because USA Dodgeball also has a no sting division and the no sting is offered in every single region, which is awesome. So no matter where they live outside of college, there is no sting probably by them. Um, another thing that we can do to grow the women's side is start to target already established adult sports like like football and kickball and soccer and softball and basketball. All these sports have adult recreational leagues throughout the country, and there's plenty of athletic women that are playing in them and going and outreaching there. This is where it's really important that we start to really utilize our member organizations throughout the country, our Cactus Dodgeballs, our Dodgeball Seattles, our Twin Cities Dodgeballs, our Boston Social Sports, WDS. Like we have a lot of amazing leagues throughout the U.S. that have great leaders and, and amazing members that want to volunteer and help. Well, here's one way we can do it. We can start to have local representatives go to like maybe a local flag football tournament and advertise Dodgeball. Um, set it up so that we we know this flight football tournament's happening on Sunday and we have a gym booked on Thursday and it's going to be a women's only open gym and we go to the flag football, we advertise it, start to do that outreach and have women only spaces set up in the near future for them to go attend and try it out and have also, you know, your already established players there to help teach the rules and and have the open gym and start doing this in areas where we have member organizations already established and 
start it there, start to build that outreach, start to have those women only spaces. You know, like we can't just jump to having women only leagues. We first have to start getting that interest and open gyms is a great way to do that. Um, and from there, as we start to garner interest, we need to consider areas where we have enough women having a women only league because that's another great way to get new players in if they know there's a women only league happening. You know, eventually, yes, we want to transition these women to playing co-ed, but some women are intimidated by guys and don't want to go play dodgeball for the first time against men. So we need these women only spaces. And from there, as we need to start to bring back those women's only like rec tournaments. Like what's really exciting is next weekend, breast of the Bay is going to be happening in Oakland. And while they are having a co-ed division this year, it, they are also having a women's division and they have a limit on competitive players. So half the team has to be newer or rec only players. That's a great way to create a fun tournament atmosphere that still can be competitive and something that's welcoming to newer players and to keep growing their interest in the sport and not scare them away. Um, Bells was another huge um, successful tournament that they, they haven't done since even before COVID. I think it was like 2018 was like the last time they did it, but we would like consistently have 16 teams. It was hosted by WDS in LA and it was a rec tournament that was still competitive and it was super successful. And that's something that needs to be brought back and, these are both West tournaments. We need to start helping our other regions where there are local dodgeball hubs bring these opportunities there as well. I, th I think that co-ed in some ways can be toxic to new female players. There are guys that don't realize that some of their behaviors are borderline sexist or are sexist and it scares women away and it makes women not like playing like taking balls out of their hand or not working with them when you're last in because they don't have a better like a good enough arm or whatever and we need to start by having these women only spaces and as they get comfortable then hey by the way we have a co-ed league that also runs on this night and start to trickle players in like that but i think to start we really need to outreach focus on women only spaces and building from there and this is something that it's definitely going to be a, a long journey and take a while, but I think that it's totally doable and it's actually how I, I first started. So, um, and then um, the last like big thing that's like on my personal agenda is tackling youth dodgeball and starting to grow youth dodgeball. Right now we don't, we have virtually nothing. I say virtually nothing because there might be some youth dodgeball that exists that I don't uh, know about. So we, we don't really have much going on. I think this is where we can look to British dodgeball because they actually have youth leagues. They have youth tournaments already set up. And again, utilizing these outside sources that already have experience in this and asking the questions to whoever like is running it, like how did you get to this point? Is there any tips that you have? Um, and collaborate in that sense. But some of the ideas that I have for how to tackle this is to target local schools. Again, we need to use, utilize our member organizations and leaders in our local leagues and also players that are willing to volunteer their time and reach out to these local 
elementary, middle, and high schools and say, hey, we would love to do an, an after-school dodgeball pop-up. And maybe at the local high school, we do uh, a pop-up, right? And say it's in, in Phoenix because the great thing about Phoenix is we have Cactus Dodgeball that's super successful. Grace is a great leader there. We have three members of Team USA that could um, go to this pop-up. We have Ketchum, we have Cam, we have Katie. Um, we already have a media person that's there with Kenny. So we already have a little start there. We go to a local high school pitch doing an after-school program, an extracurricular, set up a game. We have those representatives go. We have members at Team USA to get people excited about dodgeball. Um, we teach them the rules and have them play a game for an hour. And maybe the Team USA players are um, helping to coach the teams and give them pointers and also help ref the game. Start to garner interest like that. Doing something like that can get, get kids excited about dodgeball, get them playing dodgeball, but also it can help us build a relationship with schools. Build a relationship with the schools to continue to do events like that. And also, what do schools have? They have gyms. What's one thing that's really hard to get right now is gyms. It's been very hard post-COVID getting and securing gyms and building relationships with these schools so that maybe they offer our, our local Cactus League now after that successful pop-up um, access to their gym, either like free if we're lucky or at a discounted rate. That's already already great. And another great thing with high schools is Usually sophomores to seniors are around 16 to 18 years old and, you know, 16 with parents consent and usually 18 is when people are allowed to play rec league. So, you know, after school, they could potentially join Cactus because they love that pop up so much and not just high schools do this same sort of idea with middle schools and elementary schools and maybe it's a once a month sort of thing maybe it gets so popular all of a sudden you know there's 60 kids consistently coming now we have to make it two hours because one hour we have to s spread it out um and start to grow it like that to the point where we can host a one-off tournament for um maybe 12 to 14 is the biggest age group we're getting so we host a 12 to 14 uh youth tournament for a saturday and we have volunteers and members of the community that help us run it and start to kind of do this process throughout areas in the U.S. and where we already have, you know, members of Team USA and we have local organizations that are already successful. The great thing about this past year is now we have past and, and current members of Team USA all across the U.S. We have, whereas in the past we've only had them like more on the West Coast, maybe a couple here and there. We have a bunch in Dallas. We have a bunch in Seattle, LA, Phoenix, Ohio, uh, Boston, Philly. We have them all over the place. And now we can take advantage of that and start to grow interest in the sport. And when we do these pop-ups, you know, advertise our Twitch. Like, hey, our national tournament is coming up next month. Tune into the Twitch and there's going to be members of Team USA. There's going to be a ton of competitive players competing for the national title and start to get eyes that aren't just friends and family and players from other countries. Get outside eyes on the sport.
uh, again, that's where the live streaming becomes so important. When we do these pop-ups, we have a place for them to look at and to point them to. So I think, and besides schools, uh, we can also look at um, kind of doing this sort of setup at local uh, trampoline parks. I don't know where the relationship with USA Dodgeball and UDC left off, because um, I know UDC doesn't happen anymore. Hopefully that is still a positive relationship that we could tap into. The trampoline parks already have the dodgeball courts and the balls, so we would just need to send um, members or board members to those trampoline parks and host little mini tournaments for the kids and teach them the rules and, and have and maybe if there's a USA player that's able to go, we can have them meet a USA player um, and get their, get their interest in dodgeball. And the same sort of structure could be used for local charities as well. Just continuing to engage the youth. Um, I think the ultimate goal like down the line is to make it like other popular sports where, you know, you sign your kid up for soccer. Oh, and in the winter, we're, we're going to sign our kid up for dodgeball. Like that's the ultimate goal. Obviously that's a few years down the line. Like that's going to take, it's going to be a process to get there, but ultimately that's where I would love to see it go. Um, and I think we can get there because, you know, a lot of dodgeballers have kids and then they come to the tournaments. They love it. They love picking up the balls and throwing the balls. They love watching it. I know that kids would love, I mean, I loved playing dodgeball when I was a kid. It just wasn't, it was just offered in gym class or whatever. So I know the interest is there and I know it can be really exciting to watch and we just have to start to get more eyes on it. Awesome. So that, that clearly covers a lot. Um, of some of the questions that had come up. So, um, so let's go ahead and uh, address some of the other questions that you had. And that was, uh, what makes you qualified for the board? So I, I wouldn't have submitted if I didn't think I was qualified. I think that my nine years of playing experience is will come in handy as throughout those nine years, I've played all four ball types, I've played rec, I've played competitive, I've played all the way up to the world championships. I've been through the entire selection process for Team USA and everything that goes along with once you make Team USA. And I think having that background is important as there's a lot of things that I've learned throughout the years of what I feel is really successful, what I feel could be improved. And I didn't really touch on it in my pitch because it's a smaller aspect of USA, but things like improving the scouting and combine process and the selection process and things that really need to be nailed down as after the team's picked. Those are all things that from experience, I've learned what we might need to change and implement. And I think that I'm one of the few people who submitted that actually have that experience that can share. I've also you know, played internationally as well, not just within the US. So I've kind of seen what goes really well in other countries as well. And I think taking that knowledge and bringing it to the board will be extremely helpful in helping us grow. Um, I also have experience in a leader position within dodgeball as a league manager. I, I was a league manager for two leagues in LA that were super successful and 
unfortunately work got really crazy. So I had to step down from those positions, but um, I did learn a lot from co-running those leagues and kind of how to recruit people into the leagues. Um, we had, I, I had a lot of help from Tori and I learned a lot from him, um, Tori Thompson on getting um, corporate sponsors and having corporate teams join the rec leagues. And I think I can bring that experience as well. Um, and lastly, I, as a prof my professional experience, my day-to-day -day job, I actually work as a supervisor in a creative field. So my daily tasks are a lot of the things that are kind of listed on this, um, ex like what they are looking for for experience. I have a ton of experience working with teams, not only local teams, but I have two partner studios I work with that are both international. Um, I have, so I have a lot of collaborating with that and multitasking, having to manage not only a local team, but also international teams as well. Um, and I have a lot of experience with collaborating and listening to others' ideas and taking in that feedback and also handing out tasks and managing my own tasks, as well as keeping an eye on what um, the people who are working under me are doing and making sure they're on target for their deadlines. And, and if they run into issues, I'm constantly problem solving and on a technical side and creative side. And also having to work within a budget. We have, I have meeting daily meetings where we're talking about budgets and trying to problem solve what we can do within the budget. And I think that's going to be important with dodgeball because we are a young sport. We don't have a huge cash flow at this point. And so it is going to be tight nipped with the budget. Um, and I have a lot of experience working with that. Awesome. So on that note, <clears throat> you have a lot of experience, a lot of good ideas that you can bring to the table. Um, if you don't get elected, would you still help the community? Of course. Um, I want to see the sport continue to grow. I started helping the community um, when I did start my YouTube channel to help put more eyes on dodgeball and um, grow the sport in that sense with like tips and stuff in terms of growing talent. But I also like within my pitch, I, I did on um, my elevator pitch, I did mention um, training camps. That's one way I want to still be involved no matter what. Um, as a top female player, I do want to grow the female talent. And I think training camps is going to be a great way to do that you know, have a small group and have a more like not one-on-one -on -one experience, but um, easier for me to get feedback to multiple people and share tips and talk strategy and continue to help players get better. Um, and also just be a volunteer. Like if the board ends up needing uh, outside perspective, I'm happy to, talk through whatever they need help with, or if they need, if they want me to go to a school and, and be a representative of team USA, I'm happy to do that. Um, so of course I still want to help the community. I want to see this sport one day get to the Olympics while I definitely will be long retired by the time that happens. If it ever happens, I do eventually want to see that happen. And, um, and so I definitely want to continue to help us get there. 
Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up by just seeing if you've got any uh, closing thoughts or remarks that you wanted to uh, leave this interview with. Yeah, um, obviously, I didn't want to, you know, bore you guys with a super long uh, interview. So if there's anything I didn't touch on or anything that I kind of hit on, but I didn't, but you want me to expand on, please feel free to message me. Um, I'm happy to talk through ideas with you. I'm happy to share my thoughts on maybe something I didn't cover in this that you're really concerned about. Um, please feel free to message me. I've already had a couple people reach out and we've talked through some stuff and I really appreciate that. You know, it's important. This is a really important election. 80% of our board is about to be completely different and there should be thought put in it. There should be, um, you should be reaching out to the candidates that you're interested in and talking to them. So please, my door is always open. If you see me at a local rec league or in person, again, feel free to come up to me and have a conversation with me. I love talking dodgeball and I love to hear what you have to say and what's important to you because at the end of the day, I'm just one member of the community and there are so many members in this community and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not just doing what I think is best. I also want to do what the community is looking for. Awesome. Awesome, Bree. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. Thanks for, um, you know, considering the questions, uh, selecting those that worked for you and, uh, for sharing that with us and myself. And, um, we'll just, uh, leave it at that.